Welcome to Brand Story, Inc. I'm your host, Jay Sharman. Every week, we sit down with smart folks to talk about innovative ways they are creating content to connect with their audiences. I'd like to say every company can be a media company, and this conversation hopefully helps you understand why. Joining me today on Brand Story, Inc. is Christy Ross, the co-CEO of Tasty Trade. The Tasty Trade Network is an award-winning online financial media company. They produce eight hours of live entertaining content per day during market hours, primarily for the do-it-yourself investor. I've been eyeing them for a couple of years. Uh, they are also based in Chicago, not too far from Teamworks Media's headquarters. Um, but Tasty Trade is the media side of a company uh, that is Tasty Works, a new online broker that started three years ago in 2017, which is a wholly owned subsidiary of Tasty Trade. And I love this, they're leading financial revolution. To, they're leading the financial revolution to change the culture of investing and debunking the myths around active versus passive investing for the do-it-yourself investor. Christy, welcome. Thank you so much for having me on, Jay. We're, 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 we're almost neighbors, too. Yeah, almost neighbors. <laughs> Eventually, right, as we, as we are just about to come out of quarantine and figure this whole thing out. So, uh, yeah, it's exciting to have another media company in Chicago. And, and I meant what I just said. I mean, I've been eyeing what you guys are doing, and I can't think of a brand that I know of um, that is transformed into a media company to drive their primary business than Tasty Trade. So I'm really excited to share your story. I love the mindset of how you've transformed your business and the amount of content you guys are producing is on par and even more so than some major media companies. So let's start there with the context of maybe some of the number of shows you produce, the type and variety, and how it connects to your quote unquote day job business. Absolutely. Um, so, so again, thanks for having me on. Um, I any chance I get a chance to, to talk about what we're doing and what we're producing, um, my passion usually just oozes out. So <laughs> here I go. We love that. It is. We are. Um, so we we produce about fifty different shows, uh, all the way from beginner to advanced. Um, the difference in our shows is that we try to make finance fun and actionable and i think that is definitely a differentiator in what we are doing in the finance realm or the financial media realm because usually they don't hear the word fun and finance in the same mm-hmm. you know in the same sentence right uh, but when you start to look at our shows it is everything from Uh, I'm going to call it 201 being the beginner and 301 being the advanced. Mm -hmm. We do have a subsidiary that addresses the 101, and I can talk about some of our different companies uh, a little bit later. But when you start to look at our shows, it is a Where Do I Start series. There's our Learn Center with uh, videos and quizzes to help individuals uh, really, truly get started. Um, Mike and his whiteboard, which is a a 20-something-year-old literally drawing on a whiteboard, walking through concepts, uh, all the way to uh, our market measures, which is our data scientists and doing research uh, to present different concepts in different scenarios, uh, providing an, a really, a, I'm gonna call it a logical mechanical approach to investing. And so it really runs the spectrum from 
again, I'll say beginner uh, to advanced. The, the other couple things I want to throw in there are other shows that uh, take the news, for example. Mm-hmm. We have something called Daily Dose. Yeah. And while we are not a news media company, uh, we take the news and show how to do something with that. And what I mean by that is instead of watching you know, CNBC, you say, okay, I see what's happening in the news, but what can I do in my own portfolio? And here we have a comedian who presents the news to two trading veterans, and then they talk about you know, what they can do or what they're doing in their own portfolios um, around that. And so it's really about that, that actionable side while keeping it light and real and and you know personable, right? Uh, and so the other thing is, is you have a lot of banter going on throughout all of our shows, and it really truly is just real people. Uh, we talk about real trades, and everything is done in in real time. So this is live streaming, like you said, it's it's eight hours a day, and we're now seven days a week actually. We we expanded to Saturdays and Sundays with some shows because of the pandemic. Um, but everything else is also uh, video on demand. And if I can throw in one more one more thing, uh, is we, we do one show that is non-trading related called Bootstrapping in America. Uh, and that's really the only show that I jump into and I interview CEOs and founders of companies to talk about their entrepreneurial journey, about launching their company or uh, scaling their company uh, or just, you know, really allowing them to, to share their story. And that's sort of our way to, to give back to the entrepreneurial community. Well, I highly recommend folks, if you're listening to this and you're at a computer, uh, go to tastytrade.com and you can see, as Christy mentioned, there's 20 personalities, 50 plus shows. I mean, the, everything from the anatomy of a trade to daily dose to fast market. It, it's it's the example that I turn to because um, I, I like to use extreme examples, and I think this is an extreme example of a brand who has fully embraced the media company mindset. You are a media company. Um, I, I'm curious, I would love to learn a little bit more before we dive in on the Tasty Trade. How, explain how it connects to Tasty Works and what Tasty Works is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Tastyworks is an online brokerage company. Um, so, you know, without throwing all of our competitors' names out there, I mean, but it is like an E-Trade or a TD Ameritrade. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but it really is, uh, I'm going to say, the technical, technological expression of everything we talk about on Tasty Trade. So our content, our media company, we uh, we teach people how to trade, how to apply and maneuver the markets, you know, apply concepts uh, live and uh, having a platform that we built that we can uh, display and have it show exactly what we're talking about in the way we're talking about in the concepts we created it is it's um it really sort of ties everything together for the customer uh, we have a, a quick quick little story we started uh, tasty trade back in 2011 and i'll i'll tell you we knew nothing about media jay <laughs> we all came from a trading and brokerage background, all of us with decades of experience in that realm. So we started a media company not 
knowing anything about media. Love that. You um, faked it really well before you made it. Let's just say that. Well, we, we knew our content, right? right? Mm -hmm. And so delivering the right content and the message and um, uh, really appealing to our audience without all the nuances that we probably didn't know camera angles as well and mm -hmm. we didn't know lighting as well. <laughs> um, we learned really quickly. And I think that's the one thing about entrepreneurship is you dive into something uh, and you, you figure it out, right? If it's, yeah. if it's worth doing, you, you figure it out. So, so we started actually as a media company and we tried a couple of different uh, revenue models and a couple of different things. Uh, but in short order, we ended up building trading technology um, within, within the first uh, few years of starting Tasty Trade because we wanted to display our own visual instead of somebody else's technology. And then in short order after that, we said, well, we built the front end. Why don't we just build the back end again? Because mm. we came from the mm -hmm. trading and brokerage industry, right? So, so we did it all over again, sort of uh, round two, if you will. <laughs> and we, we launched a brokerage firm. Um, Can I jump in there? Um, I'm curious, because like, sure. uh, you touched on it. And it, it's interesting because if in today's day and age, at 20, you know, going back to 2011, that was pretty visionary. Here in 2020, you would look at this and think, oh, this is a brilliant this is a brilliant content marketing extension from the Tasty Works brand, but it's actually the other way around. Tasty Trade and the media entity was the was the anchor for this. So, sh can you share the vision of how, how it started? Take us back to the the thought process back and what the what was behind the why behind launching this. Oh, absolutely. So I'm going to back all the way up to uh, you know a, a number of years ago. My co CEO Tom Sosnoff. Um, was one of the co-founders of Thinkorswim. Um, I came on as the CFO. And so Tom and I have been together for over 16 years. And uh, so we worked very closely together. And we ended up uh, really going through, you know, six mergers and acquisitions in six years. And we ended up ultimately selling the company to TD Ameritrade. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I have to give credit to, to Tom because uh, he had the idea for Tasty Trade initially. Uh, he really wanted to just talk trading all day long. You know, he was thinking about what's the next phase of my life. You know, I, mm -hmm. <laughs> we just we just sold his baby. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, um, you know, and he is a, a trading veteran from the Chicago Board and Options Exchange floor. He has long hair, wears a beret, and is truly a serial entrepreneur. And, uh, you know, so it is, it is something when you, you look back at this, the idea for Tasty Trade was initially an audio only hmm. online squawk, you know, mm -hmm. squawk box, whatever you want to call it, right? And, and when we, at the time, when we looked at prior to launching, uh, we saw what video consumption, you know, what was happening, particularly metrics around YouTube. At that time, back in 2011, it was around 24 hours of video being uploaded per minute. And so online video consumption was really starting to, to just take hold. You look now and it's, you're talking about, you know, 400 hours of right. video being uploaded every minute or more. Um, so we launched with a video, re rented an old hip hop studio all the way down to the dishes just to make sure the concept would work. Mm. Um, but it's, you know, the, the, as, as we built the, the media company, we, we actually ended up acquiring a production company just so that we could 
garner some expertise early on of of just the team that knew how to run some of this stuff so we learned a lot from that it was a small company but it was a it was an acquisition almost out of the shoot it was a year two that we acquired them uh, so so that helped in the process but the whole concept came from what is missing in this industry and we lived it breathed ate it for decades and it part of the thing that was missing was the fun in finance and the actionable content and they're just really that was what was missing i think that's uh, an interesting point when you use the term actionable content because uh, i've talked about on this podcast before I've, uh, we at teamworks we've got friends at all the major not all many of the major media companies and it's funny i i think those of us that are in the media business, um, even in 2020, up until, I would say up until COVID-19 hit, there was still this, um, despite if you looked at the dollars of digital dollars versus television dollars, which finally is in favor of digital, um, it's still heavy, heavy linear TV with digital as an afterthought. And, and to be to be digital first back in 2011 and grow that, it's looking back, it just seems like an enormous head start. I, I, I thought like you did back in those days, it was like, oh yeah, digital's here, digital's here. It's still not even here in some places. I mean, like some of the business companies uh, who I won't name right now that you probably compete with are still linear television first and digital as almost like an ancillary. They're getting better and they're doing it, but you being, you know, I think it's an interesting term, actionable content because you are so pervasive um, and, and a digital first mentality on your brand. You know, and it's interesting back in, I wanna say it was 2012, you know, we we started with almost eight hours of, of live programming out of the shoot and, and it, wow. it is something, it was, it was, I'll say out of the shoot within a, within a few months, right? Mm -hmm. Like we, we did that fairly quickly. Um, but, and that's easy to do, right? Cause you have content around the markets, right? <laughs> right? right. Market hours, which was really, which was really great for us. But um, within, I would say it was probably within the first year, year and a half, we were approached by local broadcast companies. And while we started to go down that route, and again, we didn't come from that world, so we were really sort of exploring and learning and talking to a lot of different people, um, we took a step back and said, you know what, we don't really need to go this route. This is not the way that this is moving. This is not the, the direction or the trends that, that are moving. The thing that I'll, I'll say is I, just like you stated, I'm actually surprised that companies haven't shifted more by now. I mean, we've almost been in business now 10 years, you mm -hmm. know, it's nine years, nine and a half years. Um, that's, I would have expected people would have caught up. You know, we were only a couple of years into it and we said, yeah, you know what, why would we take a step back if that's how people are, you know, how, how right. companies, um, you know, were functioning. So we actually said no to some, some broadcast deals. Again, they were fairly small at the time. Uh, but it was, it, we just didn't need to do that. We didn't need to give up our content at that point. Instead, we went the OTT route and expanded to Roku and Amazon Fire TV and, you know, and, and, and. So, um, but I'll tell you, YouTube is probably, you know, along with our own website, probably some of the, the best uh, distribution channels uh, as well as social media to, to drive people to our content. Yeah, definitely check it out, folks, if you're listening. You, you really need to see it to fully comprehend it. It's tastytrade.com, and on Twitter, it's at tastytrade. 
T-A-S-T-Y-T-R-A-D-E. Uh, we're talking with Christy Ross, the co-CEO of Tasty Trade. Uh, you know, I'm curious, <laughs> now I'm really curious that I have a little bit more of the backstory. Talk about the business results that helped fuel the decision to flip the switch on, as you said, build the back end with Tasty Works, which is, uh, you know, just for context, it's an online online brokerage firm at tastyworks.com. Um, and Investor Business Daily is voted at number one in several categories, including options, trading platform, educational resources, and, and several other pieces. But walk us through that business connectivity between the two companies. Yeah, sure. Um, and so I, I love that, and I could probably talk about this all day. The, the, probably the one thing that, that I would say as we um, have grown the company over time, it, we really looked at different opportunities and paid attention to our customers, our customer feedback, and and what we needed or what we weren't getting from the other uh, you know firms that we were dealing with. So, so just to quickly reiterate, you know, we started out with the media company in short order. We wanted to build front end trading technology so we could actually display it. So we connected to a broker on the back end, um, but because then we could not control the whole customer experience we kind of had to mm -hmm. drop them off at the at the front door of another broker um, we couldn't control the account opening experience or the customer service experience right mm -hmm. because there has to be a Chinese wall be mm -hmm. between you know us and the brokerage firm and so we finally just said we are gonna build our own because the customer is way too important to us and we the customer experience is too important to us and so that is why we took that next step as well as the fact that it's a you know listen it's a great business model as well um but it's still something that uh, just made sense. The evolution of where what we were doing, we were solving for the problem that we had. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we we couldn't get the other brokerage firm to build technology the way we wanted to display it on air, so we built our own. We couldn't get <laughs> them to do what we needed or wanted them to do for the customer, um, and handholding them. Uh, you know, through the, whether it's the account opening process or whether it is, uh, you know, the type of customer service they should be getting. So we built our own, you know, brokerage. I'll, I'll give you one example, if you don't mind, because I'm going to, and, and, and I hope I'm not sort of jumping ahead, but it, we have seven companies within our company. And um, this, the latest, greatest company, which I am so excited about that we're launching next week, is a futures exchange called the Small Exchange. But the example I want to give is about this evolution of opportunity and paying attention to what the customer needs. Mm -hmm. And so when we looked at, you know, we looked at the, remember, we had the media, we went to the technology, we said, okay, fine, we need to build the back end and create the brokerage firm. Well, the other thing is product. Uh, product is, is one of the things that we teach, Jay, and we talk about all day long is for customers that are, are, you know, in trading in the financial markets is they should stay small, right? They yeah. should trade small, trade often, and get practice and get comfortable um, and not, you know, blow out, potentially blow out their account by, by getting t into too big of a position. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things in our world is options and futures. And so futures products today are generally way too big for investors, the do-it-yourself investors, the retail investors, people like you and me, 
um, to go trade a $100,000 contract, right? Mm -hmm. Or a $200,000 mm -hmm. contract. And so we, we were on the exchanges for years asking them to create smaller products for the retail investor. And they're really focused on, on you know, the institutional investor because yeah. that's where they make a ton of money. And so we said, you know what? Fine, then we will create our own product and we'll create our own futures exchange and, and we're going to call it the small exchange. <laughs> and so <laughs> we created small products that are standard and simple. And so we launched that is coming up on Monday, June 1st, and we've hired an amazing CEO to to build and run that, uh, Donnie Roberts. And he was actually our, uh, going way back, compliance officer back at Thinkorswim in the early, early days. That's <laughs> so, awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I, I think the it's fascinating on many levels. And I want to maybe get a little bit into the inside baseball and, and look, walk, have you walk us through how you staff this and pull the curtain back on your content operation. Could you give us context of the number of staff, the types of roles you have, um, you know, how it all inter, how the, the content creation moves through your content system so that you guys do a really good job on social media and the different places that you're using your content. Paint the picture for us of what it's like behind the scenes at, at Tasty Trade. Sure, absolutely. Um, so again, you know, Tasty Trade is the parent company and where mm -hmm. it all started. Um, and Tasty Trade really covers, while it's an operating uh, parent company, it really covers the marketing for all of our companies and the PR for all of our mm -hmm. companies, the main production, the post-production finance, uh, but it is the content uh, marketing engine. And so when you look at employees and the staffing behind it, the, the first thing I want to sort of set the stage with is throughout all of our, our companies that we have within our ecosystem, uh, we try to ensure that employees have the opportunity to wear multiple hats mm -hmm. because number one, it keeps it interesting for them. And number two, it actually helps them really truly understand the customer and, and what the customer needs and ensuring that they're put in multiple positions so that they they sort of have a different perspective, not just one perspective on the job that they're doing. So, um, so we've we've sort of created that that culture of opportunity within our our group. So I'm, I want to talk about that a little bit as I talk about the different roles. Overall, with all our companies, we have 140 employees, uh, seven companies within our company, and um, the production team is is probably much smaller than you may think. I mean, for as much content that we produce. There's, there's essentially five people that run the live show, and there's about five, an, an additional five people that take care of post-production. Wow. You know, and, and then there's, uh, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna call it 10 marketing people, but in reality, it's really a team of, of five main people in, in the main marketing group. Um, and the other five actually uh, run and create our Luckbox magazine. Mm -hmm. um, which is you know is really more of the that written content most yeah. of our stuff is video but it's our, our written content that we've added and we do this with one main social media person who we love um 
And he really does a great job of truly sort of managing the different uh, brands. You're killing but... social media teams out there who are hearing this and saying, wait a second. <laughs> All these CMOs are like, wait a minute, I have 10 on my social media team. How do you, how do you have one managing the 50 different shows? Uh, it is well but see this is how we do it is when we talk about sort of that cross-pollination right we have um a lot of our on-air personalities when you look at our on-air personalities and and call it 20 but those 20 people have multiple jobs and and what i mean by that is you know uh we have let's call it eight people on the research team that also do shows we have our content manager who she also does her own show we have a couple support individuals who actually do their own shows as well. Um, and so you you start to look at, our office manager has done her own show. She was part of participating in the Where Do I Start series where we took a veteran trader and he taught her how to trade. And she's, you know, she's literally, you know, 21 years old. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> so. I, I reached out to, uh, to Brittany McCallum at your company to try to track you down. And it was... Uh, <laughs> It was interesting because she was literally, as your VP of communications, just jumping off a show. I've never, I've never talked to more people that are like, uh, "Can we do it? I'm on air at this time," you know, <laughs> <laughs> literally wearing different jobs, job hats mm-hmm. throughout the day. So it's pretty cool. But you, and we each, we each manage our own, let's call it own social media brands. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's really something that is, um, you know, within our our brand as a whole, right? Because part of what our brand is 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 real people. It's real people having real conversations about the market in real time and and also being comfortable enough to sort of share who we are and what we do. And we're real, real people, too, just like our customers. And I think that that's something that is why we can have one main social media person. uh, and in full disclosure, one of our subsidiaries, we do have someone who uh, does help a little. So it's not completely one person. It's like one and a half. There we go. Because <laughs> the other person also does other stuff. Uh, so, but anyway, so it's a lot of people that are, that's the same with support. We only have um, two uh, main individuals on support who, again, have their own show and do other things. Um but the the all of the on-air talent actually answers customer emails. We, as as co-CEOs, Tom and I both answer customer emails as well as part of our day job. He spends a lot more time because he's on air. Uh, a majority of his job is is on air uh, producing content, um, and so he gets a lot more customer emails in in that regard. While I focus on on really running the company, but he, um, you know, that's so when I start to talk about, you know, the 140 employees that we have at Tasty Trade, when you start to look at, uh, you know, when you're really talking about maybe 30 people um, at that, you know, within that culture, they're all multifaceted. All of them are writers. They've all written articles. They're all 30 headcount, but like 70 roles, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. Well, I'm fascinated here on uh, especially your background. I mean, you're in the number crunching business to some degree, right? You're in a metrics business of of finance, right? Where absolute numbers and you've got content as your product. So I'm I'm really curious about, Christy, how you and the team measure results of your programming and and love to hear how you look at, analyze what's working and what's not that goes into your decision making for shows. Sure. Yeah. And you're spot on. We are, we are very numbers oriented. We are, you know, a majority of people 
that we have on staff have come from the the trading and brokerage industry and finance, you know, and, and, and. And we have over 300 years of experience of, of trading on our management team alone, which is crazy. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. know how many people can, you know, how many companies can say that. So, so we certainly are numbers, you know, numbers focused. I personally am very, very data driven. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but, but everything in, in our world uh, is while numbers are incredibly important, there are so many other facets of measurement that you need to take into account, especially when you look at the type of business that we have. Mm-hmm. We're not out there trying to get, um, you know, Facebook type numbers. And what I mean by that, this is not a, um, this is not just about garnering you know a uh, hundred million right, <laughs> people right. right it's not just about eyeballs it's about engagement and so when we when we talk about you know like even when we talk about um, uh, looking at a new show or talent we talk about it comes down to the individuals that are creating that show and and how they're making the connection with our audience and our customer And so what I mean by that is when it's not, yes, you can look at views. Uh, You can look at, uh, you know, how many times somebody played it. You can look at, did they go through and did they open an account, right? Did they Mm -hmm. open an account? Did they they trade? Did we help their trading? Um, Did they go through our Learn Center? All of those things are important. And that's all goes through into our attribution models and into our uh, customer experience. And we measure all of that. But when it comes down to the true success of a show, it comes down to that two-way conversation. So um, there, you know, it's again, we're not out there reporting on the news or on a topic. We're there to engage with our customers. It's a it's a two-way street. It's two-way. You know, it's not just. Uh, you know, even taking feedback, some companies will take surveys, right, mm-hmm. of their customers. We're actually having a two-way conversation, multiple going back and forth. Um, so our talent is is really uh, one of, you know, I mentioned this before, one of our biggest staffing of customer support at the end of the day, too. And that's where we get some of our best ideas. Um, that's where we get some of our um, best feedback on, hey, that didn't really make sense, or that didn't work for me, or this is why I can't do that or can do that, or oh my God, this was the best segment ever because I had an aha moment. So being able to really have a dialogue with the customers, it all starts with access. So as long as we have that access and we create that access to us from the customers, that is truly the golden measurement at the end of the day is we we they provide feedback to us and it's not always yes numbers and shares and likes and um you know traditional viewership all matters but at the end of the day the true measurement is around the engagement of the customer for that particular show well you know that's how we started in the beginning i said this is i i said that tasty tasty trade is one of the best examples that i've seen of content marketing at scale, right? Especially from mm-hmm. a brand perspective, and and you rightfully pointed out that you saw, you know, it's it's not just, it's just, it's not just trading information. It's fun. These are personality driven shows, and so from the bait from the 
fundamentals of content marketing engage in, you know, or I think the buzzword of the last five years, edutainment, right? You're educating, mm-hmm. you're, edu- you're entertaining while you're educating your cons- this do-it-yourself investor. Um, it's a great example of, of, of how you, what you just said kind of brings that to life. And it's, it is a key differentiator from you, from your competition. And so I, I'm curious with that, uh, maybe, maybe we get to be a little vulnerable and, and, and some, and share, some successes and maybe even some failures and things you've learned from. But I'm curious as if, if there's been a, of a particular show or personality, a big surprise success that you guys as a team maybe didn't think would work that turned out working well for you. Yeah, that's a, that's a, um, that's a good question. They, I'll tell you um, early on, this is, this is actually awesome. Um, early on, uh, Tom, my co-CEO, uh, we, hired his daughter to work for us Mm -hmm. and she started out working in um, basically in support and she has turned out she is now actually the chief compliance officer of Tastyworks our brokerage firm she's wonderfully bright she's wonderfully talented Um, but uh, when she first started that is when we first had the idea to do our very first where do I start series show and we matched up um, Tom with his daughter. So putting the two of them on air, we were not really sure <laughs> exactly what would happen. And I'll tell you, that's okay, because that's what we do all around. None of our stuff is scripted, Jay. None of it's scripted. It's all real. It's all, um, it, is, it is all very, very um, authentic. And so we put the two of them on air and he was teaching his daughter and there were moments that were just so typical of a lot of father daughter <laughs> moments <laughs> but but she um she would very uh she was willing to participate in the way that she just said what she felt mm-hmm. and what i mean by that is she asked the question that was on her mind and so the beauty of that particular show early on um at tasty trade really opened our eyes to uh the how, how very important authenticity is because what we got was the a flood of customer feedback and again, we already created that open access, mm-hmm. right? Had we not had that, we would have missed this potentially. But the the feedback that came back in was, oh my God, that's the exact question I was thinking. Thank you for asking that. And so we had those moments over and over again, and it just drove home sort of what we thought was important and how our shows should flow. Um, we, we sort of were like, oh, shouldn't we script this a little bit? Shouldn't, you know, if it's right. supposed to be that regimented and educational in nature. And in reality, having it be really, truly coming from the heart was a was one of those successes where it's like, whoa, okay, <laughs> no, no, no scripted at all. She, yeah, she <laughs> was able to represent your customer in an authentic way, yes, right? In real time. Exactly. That's exactly That's cool. right. And when you have when you have veteran traders who have that depth of knowledge where they don't, you know, they don't need to be prepped ahead of time. They're they know the answer. And so it was really it was really um, a great teaching opportunity, but probably one of our best, you know, initial shows that really set the foundation for a lot of our our future Where Do I Start series um, programs. So, very cool. Uh, on the flip side, was there something that you were fairly certain that was going to work that that for whatever reason just didn't, or or any failures along the way that you learned from? 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And if I can, uh, I, I've actually shared this. Um, I've actually shared this in, in other, uh, with other talks I've given and stuff like that. So I'll, I'll share it here because I think it's, it's one of those um, things that uh, individuals, uh, you know, anybody in marketing or anybody building a company, um, it sounds so basic, and yet it was such a a for for veterans ourselves being around the block so many times, it it was sort of an aha moment for us. So early on with Tasty Trade, when we were building Tasty Trade, we uh, you know we've been in the trading industry forever, and it is one of those things where we hired a. Um, a marketing company because we said listen we're getting older mm -hmm. uh, we want to build this company we think we got something here we really love what we're doing we're gonna bring in a, a marketing company to help us scale this really really fast and so the marketing company came in and you know they it, what they do is is they ask you questions you talk about your company and they help you sort of shape you know how you're gonna put it out there so we we started doing that we spent a ridiculous amount of money in mm -hmm. in my mind early on four hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars before we even knew exactly how we wanted to package this mm -hmm. because we were still evolving we were still changing we were still sort of shaping who we were and so we went out there and and we the, some of the stuff that we put out there it was so over people's heads it was really in that 301 category without yeah. because we've lived it right yeah. this is who we are this is what we know and it was sort of a a, a wake-up moment for us like we know best who we are and what we do and what our expertise is and and in fairness let's just say it how it is out there let's not we don't need to to package it in 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 um in that way so i it, i'm telling you very generally but in in fairness what it was the lesson that we learned that in my mind was an epic fail was spending a lot of outside money before internally we had really uh, shaped who we were and what we were going to become. And we did it very, very early on. Yeah, so, I think it's, it's interesting though. In fairness, it's, it's uh, with our company, it's 20 years old and we're in the content, you know, we're a content agency and we do the strategy and the execution. but the business has changed five years in our bit like think about 2010 to 2015 like social mm -hmm. platforms that are now mature weren't even in existence and so it's a really interesting dynamic as you're building out a during the time that you built out this digital first approach to content at a time where the digital component was changing by the day on every element it's 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 both exciting and both excruciatingly painful and, and at the same time during that that so I, I totally understand how that that could happen but you triggered something that made me think about okay i'm a president or i'm a cmo listening to this podcast right now and there there are quite a few people that listen to this that are in non-media brands right um meaning just they could be in any sector they could be in the education sector they could be in pharmaceutical or biotech and if someone's sitting there listening to me like, wow, this is amazing. I'm listening to Christy. Um, I want to do that. Like, what advice would you have for someone who's listening right now and saying, you know what? In my own vertical, I, I think I could become the tasty trade. Mm -hmm. Knowing what you okay. now know, 10 years, what would you tell them? Yeah. Um, okay. So so I think that, assuming they're non-media companies, right? Correct. So, okay. So, um 
I think there, there's a couple things. I think that first and foremost, you need to create a team that is willing to be part of uh, the uh, just they're willing to put themselves out there. They're willing to be authentic. They're willing to connect with customers. Um, and what you need to do is you need to start with creating something, some piece of information, something that is um, gives customers something to talk about that you want them to be your brand ambassadors. Mm -hmm. You want them, you want your employees to be your brand ambassadors. You want them to be part of the brand. And so if you're willing to break out of that corporate structure and willing to make it more personal, you can have an absolutely winning formula. Um, it is, so it is, it's something about first identifying, you know, who those people are, making sure the tone from the top, right? If you're the CEO or the president, you're going to be able to make, you know, some of those decisions mm -hmm. or the CMO is going to be able to influence, but it's, it's, it's getting comfortable allowing for the, the authenticity around it, because that's what people really want, especially with social media. Like you just talked about 10 years ago, very, very different than where we're at today. And people want to have a conversation with companies and brand interact with their brands. I mean, if they're not on social media today, it, they're sort of like <laughs> dead right. to customers, right? Right, right? They're not even part of the conversation. Well, you need to be part of the conversation and you need to actually be able to serve up content that's interesting and that actually adds value to the customer. I think that's and the so, key, right? That differentiation yeah. is like in your own market, what you're doing mm -hmm. is Look, there are a lot of people out there that there are a lot of trading platforms, right? There are a lot of mm -hmm. online brokerages, but uh, you guys are, there's no one producing more content to engage, entertain, educate the potential customer, right? To equip them right. to be the do-it-yourself investor. And I think, but what I was hearing that was interesting because um, I'm, like, I'm going to put words in your mouth and you can swat them away if I'm off here. But what I was hearing is almost a cultural component from the top down, right? It sounds like, I mean, you're a disruptor brand, you're a challenger brand, right? You use the word uh, leading a financial revolution in your marketing copy, right? Like changing mm -hmm. culture. Um, you have to have a DNA in your company, um, I would imagine, that is no embracing fear, fail fast mentality, which is a little bit of cliche, but you don't do 50 shows and not have some be better than others and others that hit the mm -hmm. cutting floor. And it's almost, um, to your point, um, and maybe in larger corporations, there's that, well, what if we do something and it doesn't work? Or what if we do something and, you know, that fear of trying and, and the culture, it seems that you have a tasty trade is, well, if that doesn't work, we'll do something the next day, right? And mm -hmm. we'll just kind of iterate. And I'm curious about, um, is it fair from the, from the outside looking in, that's the way that your brand voice is, is that true on the inside? Is that kind of the culture there? hundred percent hundred percent we throw a lot of spaghetti at the wall and we will try some things and we will even again this goes back to um collaboration really breeds innovation mm -hmm. and it, collaborating and allowing employees as well as customers to share ideas throw ideas on the table and a lot of times somebody may come up with an idea and we're not we're not like oh, okay we'll run with that we're like okay great you lead that why don't you try that 
And so they're part of, um, you know, again, they're part of the brand. They're helping build that and we'll try it. And if our customers like it, you know, great, we'll do more of it, right? But if, if they don't, that's okay. And we, we still encourage that person to continue to bring stuff to the table. Um, we do want some rationale of why they think it's going to work and, and or why, you know, why we would try that. Uh, but it's everybody is really incredibly uh, open and and willing to try new things. We don't have, uh, you know, too many barriers around that. If somebody came in and said, oh, we're going to teach swing trading we'd or you know <laughs> we'd say we don't do that we have one main message that we focus on and and um you know and we're we're focusing on uh also you know empowering the do-it-yourself investor mm -hmm. and you you engage individuals even within your your own company to um i don't really like this phrase but it, it totally um encapsulates it it's like you eat your own dog food i mean if you have people that are trading right if you mm -hmm. create if you if you are manufacturing dog food mm -hmm. <laughs> you know it's it's one of those things where you want everybody to mm -hmm. buy into the product well the whole thing is we have our office manager trading we have you know everybody in the company has the ability to to trade and they have the access to um, the information and the technology and 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 to be able to to do that and so um, you know so so hopefully I answered your no your you did, question you did. I, I I want to go to the next one because I'm I'm, I'm I'm fairly certain uh, I'll bet you lunch that you've had this conversation many times with people and now shifting that over to either C-suiteers uh, presidents CEOs or investors of other companies so whatever I don't care if you're a detergent or shoe brand, a consumer package good, you know, and, and someone's listening to this and saying, you know, I like this, but Christy, talk to me about the ROI. How do you know it's going to be there? Um, mm -hmm. what, what conversation would that look like for you when you're talking to somebody in another industry? Okay. So I, first of all, I think that's a great question. And I also, and it's funny because I'm an absolute numbers person. I'm a data person. Um, I was even an accountant when I first came out of college. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I'm telling you the return on investment is important, right? Mm -hmm. But I, I am, there's, there is something called brand loyalty and how do you measure that? Mm -hmm. Right. Ensuring that your customer service is, is at the absolute best it can be. How, how do you measure that return on investment? Right. Some of these things you can measure to a certain degree, but, but are you really looking at the whole picture? And so let's say that you have, you know, you build brand loyalty because you give away an immense amount of content, right? Mm -hmm. That that is authentic and helpful and educational and it's all free and and and. And you you spend an hour with a customer on the phone, really just helping them um, understand a particular concept. You know, when you when you look at that, you say, wait a minute, how do I actually? measure that return on that one customer's in my investment in time and energy and whatever it really it's if you again i'm all about measurement but if you say you know what i it's sort of this goodwill model yeah. like here i'm going to give you all i got and and the only thing i'm going to ask of you is to maybe tell a few friends right Yep. And there's a there's an aspect of that where word of mouth marketing and we've learned this over the years, word of mouth marketing is probably one of the most 
powerful like channels of marketing that you could possibly have because i promise you over a banner or even even reading about a review that uh, reviews are held fairly high in standards but depending upon where you read them from but Mm -hmm. but if you have someone telling you about it a friend of yours that is just passionate about it and said oh my god they spent an hour with me on this and i have this and this is the show you should go watch I'll, I'll tell you that it's it's hard to measure, um, but, and there are ways to do it, right? Referral codes and yeah. hey, if you tell a friend, but it's really, it goes deeper than that. And it's it's much bigger than just the number of how many people did you actually bring in? There's so much more um, beyond that. It's and so talking, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, sorry. I'm, no, I'm having a visual. Uh, um, before COVID broke out, I, in January, I was in Las Vegas on a, CEO retreat, which sounds dangerous, but it wasn't. It and it was. Um, it was. We did a corporate tour of Zappos, right? Mm-hmm. The uh, the online, uh, the online store around uh, shoes, right? Mm-hmm. And sure. they give corporate tours. Uh, it's like an open culture. It's like a culture tour, and it's mm-hmm. so fascinating. Like the make or break for them, and the it's a great book. The the founder of Zappos created. Uh, wrote a book on this about customer service and you know you have this call center and they walk you through and the call center are like the nicest human beings and they they literally have like a record board on the longest customer service call right mm-hmm. like, just like something ridiculous like seven hours right which mm-hmm. is counterintuitive because you'd think customer service like it's all about efficiency and how quickly can you do churn and get some of the next one mm-hmm. well it's the opposite there they celebrate these are humans and if if you get one customer, um, that they have some people who will just who call you know somebody who had lost their daughter and they tell a story. And that's why they talked for seven hours. They just had a human conversation. That guy's referred more business to them than they you know mm-hmm. that they could ever imagine. And so, it's it's it, I was having this image as you were talking about that because that's what it is, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it's counterintuitive to be doing eight hours of content a day where it's giving away advice, right, for free. Um, you're, you're literally educating and empowering your customer so that they tell other people to come and get more free product from you to that then you endear them to actually use your products and services, you know, at their own volition is, is, mm-hmm. is counterintuitive for a lot of people. But I think you guys have grown significantly. You're watching, uh, by the time this airs, you'll, have, you'll be three days into your, your seventh, seventh company yes seventh company right so proof is there so it's it's working and it's just um it's a it's a fantastic model of what you built no thank you thank you i love the zappos example as well and and i agree with you that is exactly sort of the mindset behind um the customer service and the type of customer service that we give is it's really just about the human i just a really quick quick um uh, story. One of the mergers we went through uh, years ago, we had uh, that company come in and they actually had this whole call center and they had said, well, you know, they were talking about measurement of how we measured our trade desk and our responses and all this kind of stuff. And, and we said, well, we don't do that. We just give the customer the time they need mm. to make sure we're answering their questions and we don't compensate our individuals that are on the support by how many calls they take because that's 
how how good they can that be if they're trying to hang up the phone <laughs> to get exactly. to the next call because that's how they're compensated, right. right? So compensation plays into that whole thing too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think before I let you go, um, it's not quite a show, but one of my favorite things that I do with uh, every guest who um, so far, you're, uh, I think we're this is episode number eighteen. And I've loved this, and I call it morning musts. And it's the things that you're doing on a daily basis to stay up on industry trends and best practices for the content side of Tasty Trade. Mm -hmm. I'm very curious who you let you give permission to be in your email inbox via newsletters or perhaps social media follows. What do you do when you wake up so, in the morning? Sure. Oh my gosh. So first of all, I check the market, and then I turn on Tasty Trade. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> Um, so I, uh, but you know, the, what does come into my inbox is our cherry bomb newsletter and our luck box magazine and our cherry picks newsletter or cherry picks as well. So, but, it, but in, in fairness, there's, there's a couple of, uh, things that I will, uh, share with you. Certainly like when it comes to technology trends, because remember, while we're a content, um, media company. We're also a financial services yeah. company and we're also a technology company. So really sort of wrapping all of those things into our whole ecosystem. Uh, and so I do pay attention to uh, a number of, you know, technology related trends. And, and I do love the MIT tech review. I can't help myself. And um, Mary Meeker's most important mm -hmm. trends on the internet. That's something that I think, you know, every CEO that has any sense of, of uh, you know, technology within their company, which is pretty much every company these days, um, should be, uh, you know, following the stuff that she's doing. And regarding media, I'm, I'm going to throw two out there that I, I would say, especially not coming from this industry, these two have really sort of helped over the years, um, is Comscore actually puts some great information out there. Uh, and uh, and Uyala, who who now has has bought out Bright Talk, but Uyala has put out some great trends in the industry. I think, you know, the beginning of, of uh, Tasty Trade, there was certainly a lot of things around, uh, you know, mobile trends because we were entering the mobile era way back when. Uh, and it was just really good to sort of see uh, what was happening there. So those are a couple, um, a couple as well. But yeah, hands down, checking the markets and uh, watching Tasty Trade. Awesome. Christy Ross, co-CEO of Tasty Trade. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me, Jake. Thanks for listening to Brand Story, Inc. We'll be back next week with another conversation digging into the ways companies are becoming like media companies. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give me a follow on Twitter at underscore Jay Sharman and on LinkedIn.